0: always nerve-wracking to do this. Um, but hello, welcome on Mother's Day. It's lovely to see you all here. Um, I, I think before we start, I'm just going to open with prayer and then I'll share something and I'll tell you where it comes from. Father, I just want to give this morning to you, Lord. I thank you that we can spend time around your word and that you can, Yeah, you know, I just ask Holy Spirit that you will bless this time together and that your spirit will help us to see and hear the things you want us to take away today. Father, we welcome you in this place. These are just words, and I really pray that you will bless, that you'll bless this time together in Jesus' name. I mean, okay, so this, the, the message that I'm going to share today is not entirely mine, <laughs> so I'm going to say that because I want to tell you where it comes from. We've, I've, I started a Bible study group in our neighborhood, and I really want to invite you guys, if you feel to do this, do it. Um, I basically, we have a group, neighborhood group, where everybody complains about the potholes and all those things. And on that group, I said I'm doing starting an interchurch Bible study. Anybody wants to come, welcome. Let me know. And from that message, I had at least nine ladies that pitched up. So we started this Bible study through Daniel. And it's been personally, and also I think that just the way that, that the whole Bible study is, it's been such a blessing and such an encouragement as women to dive into Daniel and to say, Lord, how do we, how do, we do life when we are lost in Babylon? And that's where the name comes from. So um, I want to encourage you, not necessarily this Bible study, but, but it's not exactly like I'm doing it, going to copy or whatever. But I want to really encourage you to also, if you want to do a Bible study like that and you need material, we've got stuff at the office, we've got lots of things. We can give you things to start a Bible study somewhere because we are the church, not just the things we do here. Um, And this Bible study is for me a testimony just of of that again to to remind us of that. Okay, so before I talk too much about those lovely ladies that I've met in my neighborhood, this Bible study I, I call today Lost in Babylon. Um, to start, I went on a Google hunt, a Pinterest hunt, for a bunch of Mother's Day quotes. Here we go. <laughs> what have I got off there? Um, a mother's love is the fuel that what enables a normal human being to do the impossible. Yoh, that's a lot of pressure. Okay, Being a mother is uh, what about strengths that you don't know and fears you never knew existed. I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford, and then I want to move in with them. Um, There's some more up there. I've got another one. Motherhood is unselfish. When you become a mother, you are no longer the center of your own universe, and you relinquish that position to children. Motherhood is the biggest gamble in the world, and a glorious life force. It's it's huge and scary, and the act of infinite optimism. I fail every day. at that infinite optimism. Okay. Um, Having children in the world puts everything into perspective and there's no hood like motherhood. Okay, and then there's another one. Children are the anchors that hold a mother to life. Have any of you heard these kind of sayings? That our culture, and before I go further, I just want to say the heart of my message today is not to bring some kind of condemnation or guilt it's more to open our eyes because we are living in a culture where there's a lot of stuff that's said all over the place and it influences who we are and who we think we should be it sets a measurement tool it sets a compass that we are trying to align ourselves to and often fail because none of the i don't know about any of the other mums, but i'm not that stuff um there's there's a lot of things out there that people tell you to be, and we fail. And if we measure ourselves against that, then we then we're in trouble. So my next one is my favorite. Oh yeah, well let me talk about this one first. I switched them around, I see. Of course, after the beautiful images of motherhood and how Beautiful it is. Moms all want their bodies back <laughs> and they go on diets. And there's this social media pressure that moms should look like that. I think it's Jennifer Annes. No, is it? What's that lady that I got there? Um, beautiful, the Princess Kate with, who comes out of labor with makeup on in a beautiful dress. And there's this image that mothers should be like this. There's this image that we are supposed to be. Next one? Next one? Superwoman. <laughs> Oh, I love this image. I love it. We are supposed to be these amazing people. Part of me cringes every time I hear one of those superwoman. I'm supposed to be encouraging things, but I'm like, why do we worship this? Why is this okay? That we are okay with the way the world is looking at motherhood and at womanhood. So I, the part of this message is really just to open our eyes to our culture, because it's, culture is more than just these kind of things. Now, if I'm talking about culture, where did I write that summary down? Oh, I don't know where I did with that piece of paper. Um, no, it's not that one. It's this one. There's like pop culture, which is a lot of the stuff I've got on here, popular culture. There is social culture. Now, I, I named these things myself. They're in a book. Social culture, what I mean with that is... Those of you who are moms, and this is not just to moms, so this message is not just focused on moms, you'll, you'll hear, but social culture for me is um, when you arrive at school and you see the beautiful moms with the perfect hair and makeup coming out of the car and the kids are all nicely dressed and the packs are... There's a social culture and expectation sometimes that we get around us and we feel we should be like that. I must have a fortune, and my kids must sit in, you know in that... In that Picking order and I must drop them off in my gym suit with my hair tied up. (laughs) Just not, I'm not, I can't go to the gym because it's because of the way my mornings work and I really hate the gym. Um, side note. But I have no problem with moms who love the gym. Okay. Um I'm just trying to illustrate that sometimes we notice things around us that want to tell us this is how it should be. And unless we're aware, we fall into those traps of measuring ourselves. Cultural culture, I didn't know what else to put it. Cultural culture is Afrikaans, there's a specific way that mothers have been through the ages or through our culture. Every culture, I think, has a way that they see a mother should be or a woman should be. And we should be aware of that because it shapes the way we measure ourselves and, a little bit deeper, our identities. And we'll get to that. And then also just as a side note, there's a church culture. I've sadly had conversations with in church settings where there were conversations that, you know, if you're a Christian, you must have normal labor and you must breastfeed. Making all of these legalism rules around how a mother should be and it becomes accepted in a certain circle and it actually causes a lot more, um, what's the word, condemnation and actually supporting each other for our own role and the way that your life grows with with the way so, with way things are um, in your life and your choices that you have to make. So I want to say that because we need to be aware of these things. Having said that, let's jump into Babylon quickly. Now I called it a modern Babylon because you'll see that if we read the Book of Daniel and we go to how Babylon looked, there's very specific things that Babylon explains and. It's not a place, it's a mentality, it's a way of life that we are surrounded with, I think, if I, I don't know if this is a proper saying, but it feels like we're surrounded by this Babylon on steroids these these days. Um, Let's look at this. The scene is set, which slide is up first, okay? Beth Moore describes it like this. She says, Babylon is not just a place, it's a mentality. She's popular. She's desirable. She's intoxicating. She's religious, but she's so religious that you don't even know what she believes anymore because everything goes. Um, To worship yourself is to worship Babylon. To worship Babylon is to worship the king, self. Um, She's dressed for success. She looks beautiful, but underneath she's a mannequin. And the one pulling her strings is the devil himself. Our society, now just quickly before I read into this, the context of where this happens is it's 605 BC. Babylon was an incredibly um, affluent city. I didn't know these things before I went into this study. I really found it really interesting how they explain what the city looked like. It had like two walls. It had three palaces. It was amazing. There were leisure things. It was this huge place of great jobs, great comfort, and great pleasure. Anything I want goes. They had lots of gods. They had lots of freedom. And they had lots of comfort. Okay, so Babylon just, I think I've got a few things up there. I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but the the background here is um, Babylon, the the, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, went and took the Israelites captive. Now, he did it in a very scunning way, which is how the devil works. He went and he pretended to be interested in the king's disease, and then he saw the treasures, and then he got him, and he took everything, and he stole the treasures and took it all back to Babylon. Everybody went to Babylon. And um, what I just want to say is like a summary that I found as the culture of Babylon as a backbone is that it's described in Isaiah 47 verse 8 and 10 as I am and there is none beside me. That's the culture of Babylon. Who else is I am? God. God is I am. That's God. Babylon's culture is exactly against who God is, because Babylon's culture is, I am God. I am, and there's none beside me. I want what I want when I want it, and I'll feed me when I want. That is exactly the opposite of who we serve, where God is, I am. And I want to say that because that's the backbone of this culture that we see around us today. Okay, so in this culture, Daniel 1 in the third year of the reign of the king, Nebuchadnezzar came to Babylon and besieged it. And the Lord delivered the king into his hand, along with some articles of the temple of God. Now, these articles were holy articles. They come from the temple of God. Okay, These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them there in the treasure house of his God. Very um, blasphemy, as, as I thought in the word, but disrespectful. Then the king ordered that guy chief court officials to bring him into the to bring into the king's service some of the israelites from the royal family and nobility young men without physical defect handsome showing aptitude for every kind of learning well informed quick to understand qualified to serve in the king's palace he was to teach them the language and the literature of the babylonians the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained up for three years. And after that, they will work for the king. Now, among these were Daniel and the other names. Okay, skip, skip, skip. Um, The chief official gave them new names. Daniel is now, and I'm just going to skip all those things. Um, All right, so they got new names. And then Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine, And he asked the chef, the chief official, for permission not to defile himself in this way. There's so much to unpack in Daniel in the book. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to touch on this first, these few verses. Because this is what surrounds us every day. Let's look at what they say the culture is. They took holy articles from Jerusalem and placed them in the temple of their gods. They treated unholy things. they treated holy things as unholy. As I 'm going through these examples, I want you to think about things around us. What do you think is holy? But if you look at the culture around us, you can see it's not treated as holy. Um, simple thing is people 's bodies. For me. If you look at the pornography industry, and there's a but that's just f- one specific area. there's so many stuff. That God has called holy. And what does holy mean? We'll get into that a bit later as well. But it's separated. Separated onto God. So holy means something has a function that God gave it. And it is separated for that. It's not supposed to be used for any other whatever thing. Okay, so that's one thing we learned from this culture. They look at the best. They want the best. They took attractive, smart young men from nobility, not just any bloodline here, you have to be important <laughs> from that bloodline to Babylonian. And what do they want to do? They want to raise them up in the cultural propaganda. Now, scholars say these boys were probably about 15 years old. Now, think of the setting that I've told you about now in Babylon. It's anything goes. A lot of, you know, you can drink. There's lots of um, orgies happening. There's lots of stuff. Now, the, these teenage boys... <laughs> are being brought into the king's house and they have freedom to partake in this teenage boys being raised up to be in the culture of Babylon because then they will be the new leaders of Babylon do we see that around us today how our children are being indoctrinated into a culture that is not the way God wants us to live the thing that i really that gets to me about this having worked with teenagers is how incredibly hard have their parents that their parents worked to disciple them so that these 15-year-olds went into that setting and Daniel said, I will not defile myself. At 15, he could know who he is, and we'll get to that. But so anyway, back to the culture, they put high propaganda, high value on these perfect things, and we get the same. Like I said in those other slides, moms, you have perfect hair. You know, your skin, your clothes, the cars. We, there's a lot of value placed on, on, these, on these labels. Do you have a degree? Did you go to matric? Whatever. All of these labels, badges, 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 I'm cool. Um, then this culture is a friendly captivity because it doesn't force you to do everything and what it gives you is fun. <laughs> um, They were invited to eat the food from the king's table, which is probably amazing food. And Daniel said, no, he's not going to eat that because he knew he was a Jew and he had certain food that he wanted to honor. He had certain cultural things that he wanted to honor. Um, Now, the thing is here, and I just want to say a side note, we are not Jews. So when we're talking about food and cultural dress and all those things, we don't have a Jewish way like like he had that told him exactly how to operate in these things which makes it harder for us because we are technically gentiles but we still need to figure out what this looks like and that the hard thing for me here is what are you worshipping when you're allowing these these things around us um there's a lot of things where sometimes you go to i'm I'm a coffee lover myself i'm just going to quickly jump into the coffee conversation There's a lot of places where if we go there, the importance of the goodness of the coffee validates the social event. And then I ask myself, did we just worship coffee? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with coffee. I don't want to say that. But there is a place where sometimes our culture is placing an incredible high standard on things around us that we get numb to. And we don't see that these things are actually taking the place of God. And for that, I think it's a personal thing because we all have in our own way with God, a place where we figure out what are these things and what are the things that in our culture is actually drawing us away from worshiping God and from bringing glory to that. They were given new names And these new names declared the glory of pagan gods. So they were given a new identity stamp. Every time I call you now, this is going to be who you are. We get that in our culture. People call you by some kind of name. Um, Personal experience, if people call me a pastor's wife, I want to run away. (laughs) Because that's not my name. That's not my identity. That's not my worth. It doesn't give me any more value or less value than anybody else. I am who God made me. Do you hear what I'm saying? And just the same way, there's a lot of badges and names people put on us. And then we can lose identity in this place. And we can lose our integrity, um, our morals, unless we resolve to be different. Now, the word resolve is a very special word because it means to purposefully choose to be different unless we're awake to the things around us, then we're probably not going to recognize them. So what did Daniel do? I'm going to go over this quickly. Daniel's way was firstly, he knew who he was. Is that the next slide, yeah? He knew who he was, and for us, that's the same. We have to know who we are. That's the first place to stand from. If anything comes from a cultural or a traditional or whatever, um, even seriously religious place, I want to say, then we have to know who we are so that we can act accordingly. And he was a Jew. And then, yeah, you know, just to say that, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked to not defile himself in this way. So Daniel at 15 stood up and says, I can't do this. This is not who I am. He knew it. He got a new name. He got a new place, but he knew who he was. Okay, another one is he had a God focus. Is that the next slide? My my things here are printed weird, so I don't know which one's next. He had a God focus versus the I am focus. So he had an I am focus versus an I am focus. <laughs> okay, and this is so important. How we need to wake up to when am I choosing myself and what I want. Versus what God says, who he is and his ways. Um, and the, the, the example here, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the king had a dream. If you guys read through Daniel, it's really an interesting book. So the king had a dream, and he basically said, I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. I want the wise people to come, tell me what the dream is and tell me what it meant. And if you can't, I'll kill you. That's the... <laughs> That was the, the thing they had to deal with. So the people came and there were lots that were killed because they didn't know what the dream was and they couldn't say what the dream was. And then Dave and Daniel came and he said, just give me time. <laughs> he went to his friends and they prayed. And through the night, he was running to God saying, Lord, you have to give me this. And God did. And he could go to the king, give him the dream and give him the, the, um, the revelation of the dream. He put God first he went to God, not his own clever methods of, of, of things to try and sort this one out. Um, another one is to value God above anything else. We see in Babylon the values, the things people value are very... You know, I, I, I want to say this slowly because I'm also over 40 now, lived a while <laughs> And sometimes I wake up and I think, why is that important to me? When did this happen? When did, you know, something that's supposed to be not important, like thinking of an example now, um, I can talk about my hair if you want. I haven't been to the hairdresser in over a year. And sometimes I look at my hair and like, I think I'm getting grey. Maybe I should worry about that. Maybe I should go to the hairdresser because I'm getting grey. And then I've never been one to worry about things like that. And then I have this moment to think, why is this now bothering me? Oh, you know what, I, there's a lot of people that, that maybe mentioned my grey hair, and and maybe they're noticing it, they're labelling it, they're badging it, and I have to now decide what I'm going to do with this. Am I going to put it on as my identity and my name, or am I going to stand back and say, it's just hair people. <laughs> I'm not really worried about my hair. Um, but that's a simple example, but I think in terms of... Of cars, of, of houses, of money, of things we have, of holidays, of... There's so much stuff in our world that people value. And we get used to it, and we also value it. Um, and I don't say... I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. I'm just saying that if they replace the worship of God, you should wonder uh, about where they are in your heart. Um... These guys, Tani Ida read that scripture before and I thought she must actually come and read it again because that's, that's what I'm trying to say here is they valued God and being in relationship with God more than anything else. This is the story that I've got here is of his friends who were told to worship the statue. Now we've touched on it, that the whole culture of Babylon is worshipping the self. The king said, I am glorious. I'm going to make a beautiful statue of me. And you're all going to worship me. And if you don't, you're going to die. It's really just putting it into, into um, I can't find the English words today, making it physical again. This thing that's in the spirit of worshipping yourself, there's a physical um, thing of this now manifesting. And then scholars say Daniel wasn't there because he was working in the court, like we've read in the other chapter, but his friends were there. And they refused to bow down to this statue. Of course, they were thrown in the fire, three of them thrown in the fire, and there was a fourth man in there. Everybody around the fire burnt, um, but they did not. They were called out, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Now, their story in the whole Bible ends here, the three of them. It ends at a place where this king says, if anybody talks badly about the God of these three, they will be killed. So the testimony of these three standing up, worshiping, valuing God above everything else, even above their lives, is the last sentence that we read about them ever again in Scripture. That place of what, do, what did they value? Um, and I think that's a beautiful way to end where you are in the Bible if you end with people worshipping your God and fearing your God because of something that you did. That's really cool. Okay, but what does this mean for us? I think I've mentioned it. I've mentioned it a few places. Um, that Babylon is not a city. It's not a place. I mean, I've used the word a lot now, but I want you to not think of it as, as this ancient city. It could be it could be Pretoria, it could be your workplace, it could be your family even. It's a mindset that is, that is noted or that is visible by a few things that they worship and that they put before God. Um, and what I want us to actually just think about, not in a way of condemnation, but to be alert that as Christians, do we look different or are we Babylonians? If people look at us, do they think they are doing something different? They are worshiping a God. They are living in a way that is different to the Babylon around us. Or do we just look the same? Do we worship the same things everybody else worships? Are we following the same things, valuing the same things? Or are we putting ourselves in this place where we are not Babylonians? but we are Christians. And what does this look like? I just want to say that the thing for me always is identity, to know who you are. And this, there's a lot of these scriptures. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. doesn't matter what Babylon wants to come and tell you to be. With it being Mother's Day, I, I wanted to just touch on this, that I think as mothers and as women, Babylon has a very long list of expectations on us. We are not supposed to be that or fulfill or tick all those lists. This is the one you are, children of God. And what does that mean? 2 Chronicles says, My eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I've chosen to consecrate this temple so that my name will be forever. My eyes and heart will always be there. This is just, I want to just touch quickly on consecration for the next one. I'll link them now. 2 Corinthians says, now, it is God who made um, both us and you stand firm in Christ, and he has anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us, and he's put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing of what is to come. In the Old Testament, we read a lot about things being anointed and holy and separated onto God. That's why I had that first scripture on there. I just want to draw the link As children of God, we are that. I don't know about you, but growing up in a very traditional home, I often heard, you're a temple of God, you're a temple of God. How do you deal with your temple? And it was a very physical conversation. You know, what what do you dress, what do you eat, what do you wear, how do you talk? Very physical conversation. For us, it's more of a spiritual one, but it is also a physical conversation. Um, Are we treating us and us? as holy and separate. Um, Salvation is free. We don't earn that. But there's a place where we have to diligently work at holiness and at being different so that we can test, so that if the king comes and wants to throw us in the fire, we'll say, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'll rather jump in the fire than worship you. Um, And that's a very hard way of looking at it. But we have little choices every day where we have to choose, are we jumping in the fire or are we worshiping Babylon? Are we jumping in the fire or am I worshiping Babylon? We have little ones that we have to choose. Um, And it starts from knowing that you are so valuable to God. You are so valuable to God. As a mother, as a woman, and I think probably as working men as well, sometimes we feel so used by everything that's expected of us. And I want you to hear today that you are valuable to God. You have been chosen. You have been called holy. You have been anointed. And we can put on that clothes in the spirit. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical wardrobe. To be that, so that we are not Babylonians, but that we are Christians. Um, I've got another scripture up there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and what does, let me just quickly look at my time. What does this look like? Maybe practical? Um, I've just got some, some random ideas, but the, the point is from, from here of saying, okay, I don't want to be a Babylonian. I want to be a Christian, so what do I do? There's of course, like I said, I just really want to say this again. Salvation is not something you earn through good works. You don't go and make your tick list of things I have to do and then I'm a child of God. That's not how it we're we're jumping past that one now. That's the foundation. But now as children of God, what do we look like? There's the New Testament. (laughs) I'm not gonna summarize it. There's the New Testament. Go jump in there, find your wardrobe. Find what, this, what the New Testament says we are supposed to look like. Because that's where we find out how we as Gentiles are supposed to look in Babylon. So that we are not Babylonians, but that we are Christians. Um, some random things I've got here is maybe sometimes just to switch off distractions and focus on God. To know that you have to say no to things. Boundaries. Sometimes we need to say no. Um, A Sabbath, or the concept of a Sabbath, to actually rest so that you have time to rest, to prioritize things and to make sure that the things that's in front of you is really something that's honoring God. A hard one is to find joy in your salvation and not in the world around you. That we don't find joy in the stuff we have, but in our salvation. Um, And that identity is not what you do. It's not your title. It's not being a mother. It's not. There's a lot of things you can put on as a name badge and say, this is who I am. That's not what what Daniel knew. You're a child of God, and that defines you. That is your identity. And from that place, you can live to be different. Um, And I actually just want to encourage moms today (laughs) that we don't need to try and be that superwoman that I had in that slide. That's a lot of Babylonian things going on there. (laughs) Yes, we have a lot of responsibilities. Yes, life is busy. Yes, there's a lot of things we can't say no to because you have to do them. But in that, God notices you and you remain firstly a child of God before anything else. Um, I just want to say in closing, I remember when my kids were little, I I once sat on the floor in chaos and I'm like, what happened to me? I used to play the guitar, I used to paint, I used to, now I'm just sitting here in my pajamas crying about the dishes. What happened to me? (laughs) And that is Babylon. (laughs) And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I see you, you're still there. This is just stuff you need to do. It's not you. We shouldn't get lost in all of these things and remain steadfast to who we are in Christ because that's who we are. Um... And on that note, I want to pray. (laughs) Father, I just pray a blessing over every man and woman here, Lord, that our eyes would be awakened to the lies and the deceit of stuff that is like Babylon, things that pull us away from your presence, things that pull us away from your heart, and things that pull us away from who we are supposed to be. Father, I want to pray a blessing over everybody here. That your Holy Spirit will come and fill us anew with a new revelation of what this looks like. That we will not be Babylonians, Lord. We will live here and we will make a difference in whatever Babylon you put us. But that we will worship you first. And like Daniel, we'll be able to say, I choose my God first. Father, I just pray a blessing over every mom. That we will not lose ourselves in motherhood and in lots of lists and things to do. But that we will keep on noticing you, our first love, Lord, and that you define us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are that you are with us and that you are good. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anything that I said to anybody feels like you want me to pray with you or anybody else to pray, please come to the front and then we we will pray.
1: Okay. Thanks so much, Anita. Please stand. We're just gonna just um, you know just one or two things. I also feel we should pray through. Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for this word, Lord. And we thank you for the blessing that you ministered to us through your netter, and we you know we thank you, God, f- that each of us here, you know, says you've called us by name, and you are we are yours, God. Thank you that we find our identity in who you have called us to be. And we we qualify for the life you've called us to live through the blood of Jesus. I think that we can do, can qualify us for that, Lord. And we I thank you, Lord, that you speak your peace over every person right now, Lord. And as every eye is closed, I just sense that if, if you're here this morning and you um you've you're not yet secure in that identity that is in Christ I really feel that the Father wants to affirm you in the identity that He has for you not the identity or the just the image of what the world wants you to be what, what He's called you to be and I also want to pray if, while your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you've not yet found that foundation um, in serving Christ you've not yet accepted Him as your Savior, uh, I believe He's inviting you this morning to, to run to Him. So if you feel far from God this morning, if you feel that you know that you, you're you not right with Him this morning, and you want to make right with Him, you want to step into a relationship with Him, you want to repent of your sin, and you want to turn away from your sinful life, and you today, you know, you want to follow Him as King and Lord, as Savior, it would be my privilege to pray with you. So, as eyes are closed, if that's you this morning and you want to take the bold step, won't you raise your hand briefly? I'd love to pray with you. Is there anybody like that? Thanks so much. Okay. Okay, great. And also, also if you're to prayer. Thanks. So you can lower your hands. Thanks so much. If if you're here this morning and you are, as Janetta was saying, you. You experiencing that pressure um, from the world, that pressure from Babylon to conform, um, and you want to just take a stand. Maybe you're in a difficult work situation, or you're in a, you feel you're in Babylon where you're studying, or where you're working, or maybe in your community, or maybe even in your extended family, and you're feeling that pressure. I just think, you oh, as Janita said, if you want to come and receive prayer for that, you want to take a stand. We'd love to pray for, with you. Bye. I'm just going to close the service now, um, and then we're going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon each one. And we pray, though, even as we go into this week, Lord, that that we would be salt and light, God, that we would be deliberately choosing to be different, Lord, deliberately choosing to walk in your ways, Lord, not the ways of the world, deliberately choosing, Lord, not to be conformed to the world, but to, to be transformed, God, in Jesus' name. We pray that your name would be lifted high in the way that we shine your light, that your kingdom would come in and through our lives this week, Lord, in the name of Jesus.